Hi, everybody. It's Ben Hopkin again with your favorite acting podcast, Acting Without the Drama, where we keep the drama on the stage and in front of the camera and out of our personal lives. So today we're going to do something a little bit different than what we've done in the past. Up to this point, we have done a lot of talking. We've talked about connection. We've talked about communication. We've talked about commitment. And I've also interviewed Carolyn McRae so that you had some ideas about what a director needs from us as actors. Today we're going to talk about some practical stuff in terms of practical application of the tools that I've already given you. Today we're going to talk about monologues. Now as we start to talk about monologues, there's a couple of things that I want to go over. First and foremost, I think that we need to talk about what a monologue actually is. Now this may be something that's completely obvious for everyone that's listening, but just in case there are a few people that don't know what I'm talking about, I want to make sure that we're very clear about our definitions. A monologue is a selection or a cutting from a script or from a novel that is one character talking. This is different from if any of you guys have ever done forensics, which I did when I was in high school and college. Uh, they have what's called dramatic and humorous interpretations where you are playing multiple characters and sort of going back and forth. You look like a crazy person with multiple personality syndrome. But uh, this is not what that is. When we are doing a monologue, we are portraying one character typically talking to one other person. Now, you can be a character talking to a group of people or to several people. I mean, that's always a possibility, too. So I guess the first question that I should ask is, why do we need to do a monologue? Why do we need to put a monologue together? Because really, you should have several monologues in your repertoire at any given moment. So why are we doing it? Monologues used to be used a lot in auditioning. They are still used occasionally, particularly in theater. If you have a general audition for theater, many times they'll ask you to come prepared with two contrasting monologues or one contemporary monologue and one classical monologue so that they can see a little bit of your range. When they say two contrasting monologues, really what they're looking for are two different characters. A lot of times actors will think that that means a comedy and a drama, and that's certainly a good thing to do. But really what they're looking for are two different characters so that they can see a little bit about what you can do. So that's what a monologue is, and those are how monologues are typically used, or at least how they used to be used. Nowadays, most of the time, you're going to be given sides if you go into any auditioning. Uh, they will give you part of the script that you will use for the auditioning process. And so uh, monologues are used less and less in the professional theatrical world and also in the professional film world. It's just not something that is used as much as it used to be. So why are we talking about it now? Well, they still are used. You will still from time to time have these general theatrical auditions for which you will be asked to do contrasting monologues, generally a minute long. In addition to that, anytime you go in to meet with an agent, this is something that's really important. If they haven't seen your work already, if they haven't brought you in because they watched you in a play or because they saw you on television, they expect to be able to see you do something, and a monologue is generally what they're looking for in those circumstances. 
the reason that monologues have sort of gone out of vogue is because really what a monologue shows is your ability to craft a good performance. And if you have a really good coach, a really good coach can kind of get you there without you really being talented at all. You can just sort of mimic what they're doing and bam, you got a great monologue. But it does show to a certain extent what you're able to do in terms of technique, in terms of craft. The thing that it doesn't do, it doesn't always show how well you can connect. A really good actor will manage to connect even with a monologue, but a monologue doesn't really show it in the same way that a scene does. So that's one of the reasons that they, they're used less and less in the industry. That being said, monologues are a really valuable tool in terms of us working on our own individual craft. This is something that really can't be overstated. I think that monologues are a really intensive way to really get clear about what we're doing. The other nice thing about this is that it teaches us not to rely on a scene partner to rescue us, to save us in those moments where we don't know what we're doing. You have to learn to be able to take that focus keep that focus and really be able to deliver a performance that isn't going to cause the audience to drift away from you. So it's really valuable training in terms of multiple things. So those are the reasons why we're actually talking about doing monologues. This isn't intended to be wasted effort by any stretch of the imagination. So now I've talked to you about what a monologue is and I've talked to you about why we're actually doing a monologue. Now I'm going to talk to you about how you go about selecting a monologue. The first thing that I would recommend to you is that you look to plays, first and foremost. Generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, plays are going to be a little bit better written in terms of a monologue that you can pull from a script. Typically, films are, well, let's look at this honestly. Film is a visual medium. That's what it is. That's what it does. Theater is a largely oral, and that's A-U-R-A-L-L-Y, not oral as an O-R-A-L. <laughs> that's a completely different thing. Theater is really about listening. It's about what we hear. Matter of fact, the word auditorium, when we go to the theater, when we go to the auditorium, auditorium means the place of hearing. So really they're two completely different mediums and with film it's less about the words most of the time and more about what you're seeing now with a really skilled screenwriter you can definitely pull some really interesting stuff but I would just caution you that many times you're going to be better served by finding a monologue from a good play the other thing that you run into in terms of uh, film is that many times if it's a well-known film we identify that performance with the actor that performed it too heavily. So what ends up happening many times is we as actors unconsciously mimic the performance that we've seen. Or the auditioner gets a little freaked out when they don't see the performance that they're expecting to see. Whatever it was that Johnny Depp did or whatever it was that Ed Norton did. If they're not seeing that, they think somehow you've messed it up. So you do run into some problems that way as well. In terms of good material, what makes for a good monologue, one of the things that you really want to look for is a piece that has a very clear objective. There are many monologues out there. Matter of fact, usually when you're looking through a script, if you find a big chunk of dialogue, 
that big chunk of dialogue is typically a story. And stories don't work quite as well as a monologue because the objective isn't as clear in them. You're telling a story about something that happened before, and it may be an interesting story, but really we're paying more attention to the story than we are to you and your acting. When you are engaged in an objective, when you are using language to actively get something from the other person, that's when it gets exciting. That's when your craft comes into play. So really you want to find something that immediately kind of goes for the jugular. I have actually a monologue that starts off sounding like a story and immediately turns. It's a monologue from The Lion in Winter. And as it begins, it starts off, Once when I was very small, I watched some soldiers take their dinner pig and truss it up and place it alive and kicking on the fire. So it starts off and you think, oh, this is a story. But immediately after that, he says, that's the sound I'm going to hear from you. So he immediately uses that story as a knife that he's just twisting in the other person's gut. So that's the kind of thing that you want to look for, something that is actively doing something to the other person. If you end up with a monologue that does not have that clear of an objective, you really need to make sure that you create a strong objective for that piece. If you're not doing something to the other person with the piece, it ultimately is going to feel very passive and it's not going to really grab the auditioner. So in terms of selecting good material, that is my recommendation. Number one, go for plays first and foremost. Number two, really find something that's active and specific. Now, we've talked before about the process that we go through as actors. And we go through that exact same process as we're looking at a monologue. You take the monologue, and the first thing that you need to figure out is, who am I talking to? And what is the relationship between me and that person? Once I've established what that relationship is, I need to figure out what the conflict is. What is this really about? What is the conflict? Once I've found the conflict, that objective is around that conflict. So if the conflict is about me trying to one-up the other person, I need to figure out what exactly my objective is that is going to allow me to do that. I want to convince you that you are nothing. Once I've found my objective, I can then find my internal obstacle. I want to convince you that you are nothing, but I'm afraid of you because you're a very powerful person. Once we've found that, we then start looking at the piece thought by thought. Look at the lines of the piece that you've selected. And as you're going through, I want you to break it down thought by thought. What is the first thought group in terms of the words that are there? What is the second thought group? And each of those thoughts is a beat. And each of those beats needs a verb. So that's when we start actually selecting the verbs that we're going to use. So what I would like everyone to do is I would like for you to go out and get a monologue if you haven't already. I know that I've already urged you to do this. So go out and find a good monologue. Work on that monologue. Break it down. Figure out what your relationship is to the other person. Figure out what your objective is, your internal obstacle. Break it down into beats and assign verbs and start practicing in front of people. And what we are going to do is I am going to ask you guys to get these videotaped. Videotape them and put them up on YouTube. Send me the link and then I will watch these monologues and I will pick one or possibly two. And I will, in a very detailed way, critique these. So this is a wonderful opportunity for you to get your stuff out there, 
so that everyone that listens to this podcast can watch your stuff. And it's also a wonderful opportunity for you to basically get a coaching session with me for free, which is very valuable. I'm not going to tell you exactly how much that would normally cost, but it is a very valuable thing. So I would urge you all to go and do this and send me your links. Please continue to listen to my podcast. Please make sure that you are checking out my website. I do blog. Uh, so come to www.actingwithoutthedrama.com and check out my blog as well as the podcast that you're currently listening to. It has been a pleasure being with you again today, and I look forward to the next installment. Thank you for listening to our series, Creating Without the Drama. For more information about this podcast and many others, including Writing Without the Drama, please go to www.creatingwithoutthedrama.com.